How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. All right, so thank you for tuning in to Chop It Out a Bit. This is episode number 90. I am Kyle Edwards, of course. And on this episode, I will be looking at the NBA as the second half of the season uh, kicked off for a few teams on Wednesday, everybody else Thursday. I just wanted to take a look at where each team stands against the rest of the league as we are coming up on the trade deadline as well, which is towards the end of March. So I do believe with, you know, the expanded playoffs with, you know, the 10 teams being eligible with the last four in each conference playing in a play-in tournament to get the last two seeds in the more standard playoff structure, uh, I believe that leaves the door open for more teams to be, well, to at least try to be uh, aggressive during the, uh, for the trade deadline and add a piece or two. But on the flip side, with more teams involved, it could make for a quiet trade deadline as some teams, you know, may not want to part ways with a piece that they have because maybe they're looking to build on what they have to move up or something. So interesting to see what happens this year. But um, like I said, I'm going to slate the teams from basically title contender to... uh, fans you're gonna have to be patient as the team is really just kind of going through it right now and they may not uh you know really be contending this year or even next year but i mean appreciate what your team's going through so yeah it's this should be a good one and it's interesting when I was looking at it and ranking the teams uh, to see kind of how many teams I had kind of, you know, staggered into the middle of the league right now. And I think that's, that goes to the whole uh, aspect of more teams, more availability for the playoffs that, I mean, if one of those teams can make a move or two that really shakes up their team chemistry maybe they can shake themselves loose from there and move up towards contender status but um we'll have to see like i said i'm hoping for an active trade deadline this year but i don't know i wouldn't be surprised if it was really quiet but um before i do get into that i guess i should talk about the all-star weekend really quickly because don't spend too much time for one a game that doesn't mean anything, so it's glorified exhibition. But um, yeah, as I said, the three point contest was basically the contest of the of the day because you know they put it all into one day. It had a lot of drama into it. Uh, I was right with I think I had it with Curry. 
Why Curry, Levine, and Brown make it to the second round? They didn't. It was Curry, Conley, and Tatum, which I was actually surprised a little bit from my boy Tatum. I thought he might struggle only because his jump shot is a longer release or something, but he did well. Basically, it came down to Conley really set the tone for the second round, going out with 27 points. Uh, Tatum struggled. He got like 17. But it came down to Curry and his last rack where he was down. And I think he he made the third ball on the rack to get within one. And then he missed the fourth ball on the rack. So it came down to the money ball where it was either he makes it and he wins. He misses it. Conley wins. So he releases it. There's that split second of like uh, anticipation. And then, you know, he held that hand up there and it went through the net. Swish, no rim, clean. And Steph Curry became a two-time three-point contest champion. So, uh, like I said, great contest. Conley did way better than I thought he would. And I mean, with that last second drama, it, it was just everything you needed. Uh, the skills challenge was probably the second best challenge. And I was right with Sabonis because Sabonis didn't make it to the finals. I thought he was going to get there against Chris Paul and lose. But Chris Paul didn't even make it to the finals as Vucevic beat Chris Paul in the second round. So once again, became a battle of big men. Sabonis was a runner-up last year. But this year he was able to uh, rectify all that as he he and Vucevic went up, went up against each other in the finals. It was pretty much neck and neck the whole way. Came out to the three-point shot, of course. Uh, they basically got there around the same time. Uh, Sabonis did end up winning it. And what helped him was, since Sabonis shoots more on a line and Vucevic puts a little more arc on his shot, Sabonis was able to finally sneak a ball uh, in before Vucevic's shot could like interfere with it. So he ends up winning. Um, it was great, you know. And basically what I said about Doncic came true. Doncic was going through the course kind of with this too cool attitude and Sabonis ended up beating him. I know I picked Paul to beat Vucevic in the second round. Probably went, went against my original train of thought because something did tell me that Vucevic would beat Chris Paul, but I thought with it being Chris Paul's like fifth time in it, that maybe this would be the year that he would win it. Plus there was that whole thing before the competition with Shaq, where Shaq told him if he won it, he was going to donate, was like 25000 to Winston-Salem State, uh, which is a you know HBCU right around where Chris Paul grew up. So I thought the added motivation, Chris Paul would finally pull through. He didn't, so... Uh, shout out to Sabonis for winning it. Great competition. Then we came down to the slam dunk uh, challenge where we had three guys that a lot of people didn't know about. Um, Obi Toppin started off the competition with a really good dunk. Mind you, Obi Toppin's was 6'9", so he's a big guy. He went baseline, tripled left hand, jumped up, bounced it between his legs, caught it with his right hand while he's in the air and threw it down on the other side of the rim. 
great dunk to start off with. And he was followed up by uh, Cassius Stanley, who I did pick to win it, who had another great dunk as well. He threw the ball up, went up. Uh, he jumped up in the air, caught it with his right hand, put it between his legs, dunked it with his left. Another great dunk. He got screwed on the score, which I think killed all of his momentum because that's a dunk that should have got a 50, but he only got like 44 for it, which I don't know what Dominique and Josh Smith were looking at, but they lowballed him. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and then there was, oh, what's his name? Anthony Simons, how you pronounce it? The guy from Portland, who I actually did not know a lot about, but as the competition started, he was showing that he's a guy who's a high flyer, which if you watch Portland, you never really get to see it. That's why I was kind of uh, worried about how well he would do. But, I mean, he ultimately won it. I mean, it's the same thing most years where people after the competition are saying that it was trash or whatever. My thing is, the only way the slam dunk contest is really going to get back to the prestige that it once had is we're going to need bigger names in it. And it's one thing I've, you know, killed LeBron for throughout his career. And some people will say I'm a hater or whatever, but I don't care. The fact that LeBron never did the slam dunk contest, I think really looks bad for him. Not maybe, maybe not in the overall scheme of things, of course, but you know, the slam dunk contest was basically a showcase back in the day. I mean, you remember Jordan versus Dominique. If you're too young to remember, go ahead and look on YouTube and find it. But those are two big names in the league who went at it, had a memorable finals, and really gave the slam dunk contest what it needed. You also had the Vince Carter show that we all remember. You know, Kobe Bryant did it, he won it, remember that. And the fact that LeBron never entered into it once, I feel like was kind of a, um, I don't know. It's just something I feel like he should have done at least once. Whether he won it or not, fine. Oh, and then remember, there was that year when, was that the year Dwight Howard won it or something with the Superman and all that? And I think Kenny Smith was talking to LeBron. It was like, LeBron, when are you going to do it? And LeBron made that stupid statement about, you know, I'm putting my name down for next year, which never happened. But so, yeah, I, I mean, at this point, I don't need to see LeBron in it. He had his chance. So forget that. But I think going forward, they're going to need well if Zach Levine didn't get screwed uh, the year against Aaron Gordon he would probably still be in it and it would have helped but he said he's done with it I don't blame him Aaron Gordon's had some injuries to his ankles or something so I doubt he's going to do it again so now we're going to have to look for like Anthony Edwards I would love to see him do one as a young guy Uh, Jalen Brown said he's thought about it actually would have done it this year but he's dealt with some leg injuries this year so he didn't do it but if he's the guy who could maybe do one in the future 
that would probably help as well. Um, but um, also the those people who are like, "Oh, Dunk Contest is boring. We've seen this before." It's like, I mean, you have a body, right? There's only so much a body can do before you've seen it. So the only way you're really gonna get anything different out of the dunk contest is you're gonna have to like implement trampolines or something and let guys, you know, jump off a trampoline, get all this crazy air. That way they can, you know, really try some stuff. So I don't know if people are looking for NBA jam type dunks, which physically are impossible without the use of a trampoline. But um yeah. For me, like I'm not at this point, like I said, pretty much seen everything that could be done. I think all the dunk contest really needs is just big names to go into it just to give fans a reason to watch it. And then, I mean, at that point, they could basically dunk anyway, anyhow, and people will enjoy it just because of the big name attached to it. I mean, nothing against Obi Toppin, Cassius Stanley, and Anthony Simons. They did pretty well they each had at least a dunk that looked really good it was just the fact that nobody knew them so nobody really cared sad to say but um but yeah so simon's won i mean he basically won it with that dunk where he had the little mini nerf hoop up above the square he went up got it dunked it to show off his uh hops also another name that needs to do one's probably zion if zion did one like next year people would probably lose their mind so yeah then on to the game i mean nothing much to say the game is the game people are of course upset at that because oh, they don't play defense they haven't played defense in the all-star game in like 20 years so i don't know what people are looking for so get over it once again all-star game when i watch it it's just seeing big names go out there have fun you know play with some guys they haven't played with you get the moments here and there. Like in this one, we saw that uh, moment where Jalen Brown went up against Jason Tatum one-on-one. That's all the All-Star game is for. I don't need to see guys go out there, you know, contestant three-pointers. Next thing you know, some star player comes down on somebody's foot, rolls an ankle. They're out for the second half of the season. Then what are fans going to be saying at that point? So, yes, I know I would rather prefer it be competitive like it was i guess 80s and 90s but for what it is right now i i'm okay with it plus if you don't want to watch it you can literally just change the channel it's not that big of a deal so now that we're done with that we can go ahead and take a look at the tears i was talking about so like i said i went through I included every team in this, so none of you can feel like you've been left out. And I put them all in five categories. So the five categories are title contender, title favorite. Then there's a tier of teams that uh, need to prove it once the playoffs start. I'll explain that a little more as they get to those. Then there's the tier of teams that are like the playoff teams that are outside the title picture so could probably benefit from a move or two then there's a tier of teams that are if they do make the playoffs are going to be in the tournament 
So for those fan bases, it's kind of a little, I guess, bittersweet. That could kind of be seen as the NBA purgatory level, but we'll talk about that more. And then the final tier, like I said, fans have to be seen with these teams. So I guess the bottom and work our way to the top. If you start from the top, work bottom, you know. Yeah, start at the bottom. So the fans will have to be patient. I've got four teams there. Uh, first team I have in there is the Timberwolves. Although I feel like the Timberwolves at this point should not be down there. They've had Carl Anthony Towns there for years. They have D'Angelo Russell, who's an established guy in the league. Uh, they've they drafted Anthony Edwards number one. He seems to be um, doing well this year. We all saw the play was what, last week or so when he had the posterizing dunk off the baseline. But they still have yet to really um, find a solution to their biggest problem, defense. They still cannot defend anybody. And that's why they've kind of been stuck down in that position for for a while now. And I think with them, they're kind of coming to a point where might be time to start thinking about what to do with Carl Anthony Towns. Like, if you're going to build around him and actually make it better there, or is he going to be a guy that ends up sticking around there and they never become anything better than what they are now? It's kind of seen as a waste of a guy who's pretty talented at the center position. Now, with Anthony Edwards there, and it's only being his rookie year, we'll have to see you know, how he comes out next year and how he looks plus other pieces they put around him. Maybe they can move up a little bit. We'll have to see. Uh, next team I put on there, the Detroit Pistons fans need to be patient because this offseason we saw them sign a bunch of big men. Um, yeah, they're a team where I guess they're trying to figure out what to do next. Now, with kind of the group of guys that they brought in there, we see that Jeremy Grant has become uh, a good player. Now, my questions for him are, is he the type? Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Where he can put up big numbers on bad teams only, or can he really help a contender get over the hump? So Detroit's going to be in a position where they could either you know, sell high with him and trade him for like a bunch of picks or something or keep him and use him to create the next good team in Detroit. We'll have to see there. 
Next team, Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, the Thunder in transition, they basically, they literally just got out from wiping themselves clean from, you know, Chris Paul and Steven Adams, you know, that group, which never really materialized into a great team. Um, also, they've kind of been uh, making the way past the whole Durant, Westbrook, Harden trio that they had there years ago. And slowly, and Ibaka was the fourth guy. And they were slowly losing each one of them going on down the line. And Westbrook was the last one who they finally got rid of. So I'm sure they're going to be looking to build around Shea Gilgis Alexander going forward. They also have Dort, who's a good 3 and D type guy. So there's gonna be, there are some young pieces there that you know could turn it around for them, but it's going to take a little bit of patience with that group. The fan base in Oklahoma City, I do think, is the right fan base for it. So they'll be fine. Um, I'm sure the Thunder will be a, probably a playoff team next couple of years. Got the Rockets. Rockets are the same thing. They just got out from underneath the whole James Harden saga. And, you know, they were doing pretty well. And then Christian Wood got hurt. And they literally haven't won a game since he's been out. So... Uh, Christian Wood has established himself as a piece for them to work around. They did get Oladipo. They tried to offer Oladipo a long-term deal. He said no. So we'll have to see what goes on there. Um, like I said, at least Houston got Christian Wood out of it. And they see the kind of player he is. Now they can start building from there. But well, yeah, Houston got to be patient right now. So now moving up, we got... The most likely bound for the play-in tournament. So these are playoff teams. Well, these are teams who are either within that 7 to 10 range. Or they might be a little bit lower than that. Um, and could fall back a little bit. They may be a little below it. May jump up into the play-in tournament. These are the teams that are fighting for that. And I have the Pelicans there. Now, you would think... Uh, with Zion and what else they have like Lonzo, Josh Hart, guys like that. They might have been in the next tier, you know, teams just just outside the title picture, but uh, it seems like oh Brandon Ingram, forgot about him. But they're still a young team and for general purposes it's a young group just put together. Now I've been a big uh, critic of Lonzo Ball it seems like he's finally figured it out um, you know he's worked with fixing his shooting form which I said he had to do when he first got drafted people thought I was a hater magically he fixes his shooting form he starts hitting three so you tell me but since he's doing that uh, he still plays defense so that's good now I know some teams who are in the the top tiers of this list are inquiring about him. We'll have to see what New Orleans does there. Um, they also have Josh Hart, who's a you know super sub type guy who comes in, gives them points off the bench. I would like to see Zion develop his game to more than just dunks and layups at this point. And I think if he does that, it will really help New Orleans out. Uh, they have Steven Adams, low 
So there are some pieces there. Uh, I think with this season, maybe they could sell some off to get some assets to build their own uh, Zion, Brandon Ingram, guys like that. I know people have called about J.J. Redick. I feel like they probably let him go, get some picks back for him. Um, but yeah, so it's a team that should be on the rise. We'll have to see what kind of decisions they make in the year to come. But if they do make the playoffs this year, probably wouldn't be any higher than playing status. Uh, speaking of Lonzo Ball, I got the Hornets here with LaMelo. Um, uh, let's see. I've said before, LaMelo's already shown more promise in his rookie year than Lonzo did up until this year. Um, you know, him going to Charlotte was the best thing for him. Uh, they basically, you know, they started the year with him coming off the bench, but now that he's been put in the starting role, they're allowing him to kind of work his way through, you know, the rookie mistakes and all that. He's come on late with uh, the ability to knock down threes. Uh, well, he's always been a gifted passer, so that's not been a problem. Um, there's a good chance that they may be able to make the playoffs this year. Like I said, with the expanded uh, uh, playoffs. They're a team that I would say is on the rise between uh, Hayden Hayward, Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham. You know, uh, they have one of the Bridges brothers. I think it's Miles Bridges that they have. And yeah, I mean, they play pretty exciting basketball. Defense is kind of a problem with them. The problem with Lamelo is weird that Lonzo is the defender out of the two where LaMelo defense is spotty at best. Lonzo up until this year had struggled to shoot from deep. LaMelo has come in and shown that he's better at that. But um, yeah, so Hornets feel like they're building towards something, which is definitely uh, the way to be with a young team. So they should be fine, I guess, for the next few years. I have the Wizards here. Uh, it's been kind of a disappointment so far with the whole Westbrook and Beal duo. Uh, they've turned it around a little bit lately and have put themselves in a position where they can actually think playoffs because a few weeks ago it seemed like they were going to be a team that's going to end up in the lottery for sure and probably see a split up of that group. I mean, a breakup of that duo already in the first season for the trade deadline. But now you've seen enough there where I could see Washington keeping the two of them together. Maybe see if they shake something loose from another team or the young guy that they got uh, of Dia, I believe is how you pronounce it. He can continue to come on. Maybe he becomes the number three for them. And, you know, maybe they can get into the bottom of the playoffs See what happens there. I've got the Hawks here. Kind of the same thing as New Orleans where I feel like the expectations for them coming into the year were way too high. Uh, I was never a believer in that. You know, I'm not. It seems like around the league, they're trying to make Trey Young out to the, be this great superstar player. 
I'm not going to do that again. Uh, he doesn't really account for the win totals that are necessary. You know, they did get rid of Lloyd Pierce. I talked about that a few episodes ago. Thought it was kind of messed up, especially in the COVID year. But Nick McMillan's come in. They have won four in a row. And already with winning four in a row, the media down here is like losing their mind. You know, they beat four kind of mediocre teams. But yeah, whatever. They're going to overreact anyway. So I'll let them have it. But um, they're a team that should be in better standing than they are because the pieces are there. They had Trey Young, like I said. They brought in Gallinari, an established scorer. Bogdanovich, established scorer, who's kind of looked out of place for most of the year. He was hurt as well, but he hasn't really fit as well as I think they thought he would. Then they had the young guys of uh, DeAndre Hunter, who's been hurt, which did hurt them. Uh, he's supposed to come back, I think, in a few weeks. We'll see. Cam Reddish has been kind of a bust to me, but people down here seem to like him. We'll have to see with that. Clint Capella. So there's names there. So they shouldn't be a team that's really struggling for a playoff spot. But um, I do think they will ultimately probably make it, but in the playing tournament. And then we'll see what happens there. I have the magic in this group, and it was easy to put the magic down the be patient part, but I do think the magic are a team to watch for the uh, trade deadline because there's some talk. I mean, we all know that teams are talking about Vucevic. We'll see if they let him go. They have Terrence Ross, who they could get some pieces back for. They have um, Fournier. So if they want to completely hit the reset button, this would be a good year to do it, and they could. Um, well, they have Aaron Gordon as well, so maybe they just completely blow it up and let those all those guys go get all the picks back that they can. Maybe some young players, and just start over from there. If they keep it all together, they will contend for a bottom playoff spot. But you know, with guys like Aaron Gordon and Vucevic, I don't know how satisfying that really is. So. They'll be a team to watch for sure. Uh, next, uh, the Kings. Um, and the Kings are an interesting team because, like, I like Darren Fox. Um, Buddy Heald, like him. Halliburton, the young guy they got, I like his game as well. It just seems like something is missing there, and I don't know if it's uh, who's their coach is like Luke Walton. I don't know if he's the issue or what, but I kind of expected at this point the Kings would be a little better than they are. Um, like I said, I, I just don't know what it is that's holding them back. Um, I mean, I do think they could benefit from a. I guess a guy who takes some pressure off of De'Aaron Fox. And I think that was the whole reason behind them drafting Halliburton. Um, and Heald has become... I guess you could argue maybe the... Well, no. He's definitely in the argument for 
like top five three-point shooters in the game today and yeah I, I just don't know what it is that's really holding that team back it's kind of a interesting case you know maybe if I lived in Sacramento and like really watched them I'd have a better idea but something's just missing yeah, I really can't figure it out so but yeah the Kings are still like hanging on on the outside of the playing tournament you know group but I do think that they have the talent there to go on a little run and get up into that spot so that's why I have them here because I think the fans down there have been patient enough so I didn't want to put them back down there because like I said there is young talent there for some reason it just hasn't come together yet I have the Cavaliers in this group you know I like no, Colin Sexton has developed his game, which I appreciate seeing that. Um, they have some pieces of well that I think they can move out. Trade deadline, Larry Nance. They still have Kevin Love, which actually blows my mind at this point that they've held on to him this long. I felt like the minute, you know, LeBron and all that left there, they would have just moved him out for just any old thing. But somehow he stayed there. And maybe this is the year that they finally trade him. I don't know. Uh, Andre Drummond is on his way out. So with the young group that they have there, I could see the Cavs being a team who could make like a late run in the second half and like sneak in to the play-in tournament. Uh, Let's see. Because right now they are like two and a half games out right now so you know there's still a chance and with Sexton and Garland um who else uh Osman oh, I feel like I'm missing somebody there I mean they have a pretty young group that they can use going forward so I feel like they are on a slow uptick right now. So the Grizzlies down there. Uh, I mean, the Grizzlies have John Morant, great young point guard. Uh, they get Jaron Jackson healthy. I know he's been, I believe he's missed a lot of time this year. Uh, they could create a good one-two punch. They have Dylan Brooks. And once again, they have some pieces there that as they get better together and as a front office, if they can make the right decisions and bring in some guys to supplement them, then they are a team that could be on the rise. What may hurt them is they play in the West. And right now, they're like the eight or so in the West. I just don't see in the next years like where they may be able to jump into that groove. So it could just be that they're going to... For no reason other than the teams above them, they may just be stuck as like an 8, 9, 10 team every year for no, for kind of no reason outside of their it's for no reason that they can really control. So unfortunately, I just think they're stuck there. And I don't know, I mean, for Memphis with a town that I mean, for a city that doesn't have 
Well, I mean, the Tennessee Titans, but well, they're in Nashville. So, yeah, so for Memphis, it's kind of a city that isn't really well represented in professional sports. So, I feel like the fan base there would probably be okay with a team that's, you know, constantly at least in the playoffs, even though they don't really contend for a title. I think they could be fine with that for like 10, 15 years and be okay. As long as they're competitive and it's not like something where, you know, they're below 500 for a long stretch. I think they're a team that could easily win like 42 to 45 games a year. And I think they'd probably be okay until, you know, like John Morant's contract's up or something. Then we'll have to see. But that's kind of their lot in life right now. And final team in this group, I have the Bulls, who, I mean, between Zach Levine, Kobe White, they also have Hutchinson. They need to figure out marketing, what's going on there. Can he regain his rookie year form? If so, then they should they should be fine. If it's something where he may be damaged goods at this point, maybe it's in the best interest for the Bulls to move on from... Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This episode is made possible by PwC. Invest in a cooler future and be part of the climate solution. Critical challenges require critical thinking, and that's why ESG is part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. And I guess kind of cut the cord. Because I'd hate to see them waste these years of Zach Levine where he's becoming an absolute like offensive juggernaut and not capitalize on it with an actual playoff run. Um, so that's that group. Now we are up into kind of the legit playoff teams from here on out. So these are the playoff teams that are just outside the title picture. So they are basically teams that I think need to make a move this year. Well, okay, so they're kind of caught between either just running with what they have, making the playoffs, not really looking at a title, but kind of building for the long run. Or they make a move now and try to try to jump up in like the next couple of years, if that makes sense. But we'll just see. So this group I have, I got Portland in this group. So Portland, my thing with Portland is they're going to be a playoff team. I feel like there's always an analyst out there that picks them as a title contender. I just don't see it right now because I still have questions as to whether Lillard and McCollum being the two best players, if that's really enough to win a title in today's NBA. Because I think there has to be a big man aspect or at least a wink player like a like a uh, four 
not necessarily not not necessarily like a center or something, but like a power forward, small forward wing type. That's a part of that core. I mean, for Portland, like I said, it comes down to basically Lillard and McCollum. However they play is how far they go. And I just don't think that's title worthy right now. I mean, they have Carmelo there, but I mean, Carmelo's on the last legs of his of his career. Um, so basically, who's going to be that third guy that steps up for them? I know they have Nurkic, but it seems like Nurkic has been hurt or whatever. I, I feel like I haven't seen Nurkic play in a while. So... That's my thing with Portland, why I have them here. I have the Raptors here. I mean, the Raptors, you know, they did win the title a couple years ago, but then Kawhi left, and now they are kind of middle of the road. Um, I think for them, they need to probably decide with their core. I guess the questions with them are Kyle Lowry. He's at the end of his career. Yes, he gave you the ring. Fine. But clearly, with the deal that Van Vliet got, he's clearly the guy they want to move forward with. So, is Lowry kind of in the way? So, do you move Lowry, get something back, go with Van Vliet and Ananobi, uh, Boucher, Siakam, to be honest, not a fan of his game. He's like a one-trick pony on offense. It's the same move every time. So I feel like there's strong limitations on his game. And I think Toronto wanted to make him the best player on that team. But if that's the case, you are not a title contender. Now, Van Fleet is different. If he's number one, fine. Siakam, I don't even know if he's a great number two right now. If Siakam were your number three, fine. So in case that means like Ananobi or Powell or something would have to step up as a number two. Unless they find some other piece out there. So that's why Toronto's in this group. I've got the Mavericks in this group. Uh, Doncic is great. We all know. Uh, there's some questions with Porzingis as he's been banged up the last couple of years. Um, putting his show that he's the then that's one thing but just for right I have them in this group because of questions with his health hurt this team because the pieces are there with Porzingis Doncic great one two you have guys like Hardaway who's a uh, great third fourth option as like instant offense energy type players so you know, they even have like Boban, the the massive man down low, who plays a few minutes here and there, but really makes an impact when he comes in. Uh, they got the good coaching and everything. They got Cuban as an owner, who's a great owner, puts money into the team. So Porzingis is the major question mark with them. That's why they're here. Golden State, we all know Steph Curry's had a great year, but without Klay Thompson yet again, um, that's what's going to hold them back. We got to see what Clay Thompson looks like when he does come back. I mean, missing two years is devastating. And like, I'm a big Clay Thompson fan, and it's been hard to watch the past couple of years what's happened to him. But, you know, they definitely need him back before they can really be a title contender. Draymond is just coming back from injury. He's looked a little 
you can clearly tell that he's still working his way back in. Uh, you know, they brought in Andrew Wiggins. He's been pretty good for them. So going forward, if they can get Thompson back with Curry, I mean, Curry just turned 33. Was it today or yesterday? Happy birthday, Steph Curry. So he's not getting any younger. Um, I would hate to see that playoff window be closed there because they are such a fun team to watch. But I think they, I think if Thompson were to come back, Wiggins continues his play. They have Ubre there. I think they could make one last run at a title before, you know, Curry and Thompson are too old. Um, Let me see what else I have. The Pacers. Uh, Pacers, Pacers. So Pacers are an interesting team. They're kind of in the same boat as... Maybe Toronto? No, they're in a little better situation than Toronto. So Indiana's big thing is they have... Sabonis, Turner down low, two pretty young guys. Um, they have TJ Warren, who's been hurt a lot of this year. That's what's holding them back a little bit. Uh, they have Brogdon, who's a great young player. So they have a lot of good young pieces there. I think their only thing is they just need more time together where they're actually all healthy to really see what the potential of the team Um yeah, I think that's kind of it. They just need to be 100% healthy. So all together at the same time for a long stretch to really see what kind of group they have there. So because of that, I got them in this group. Uh, the Spurs, next team. Um, Spurs are an interesting team as well. They have had like a big fundamental shift where... Uh, for years, the Spurs are one of those teams that played in half court. We're all about execution. Past couple of years, they switched to a younger core there and have become a faster team, which is why you saw LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, the story came out where he's basically not going to be playing with the Spurs anymore. They're either going to release him or trade him. And it's because he's a half court player. And that does not work for San Antonio anymore with the pieces they have down there. So he became expendable. Um, it is great to see the Spurs back in playoff contention, though. I mean, that's great for the league. And just further shows Popovich and how great of a coach he is. But, but yeah, so going forward, they're going to be... Um, who's like Walker down there. Um, Murray. You know, guys like that. That's the next wave of Spurs basketball. And they'll... I mean, they kind of basically did a quick rebuild because they missed the playoffs last year and have changed their philosophy and it's working for them. So you're just going to need time there for those guys to continue to get better. And I mean, making the playoffs this year would be great for them, give them some experience, but they just need to build on what they have there right now. Um, next team, I have the Heat. So the Heat made the finals last year. Uh, 
came into this year and have had a lot of issues. But I think one thing that hurt them the most was last year they kind of um, came on and surprised some people with like Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, that group. But now that the tape's out on them, you know, teams aren't surprised by them anymore. So they've seen a little bit of a struggle this year. Plus, Butler's missed some time. Um, you know, they brought back Dragic, which was a good move. But, I mean, Dragic is he's getting up there. So I think in the next coming years, there's going to be some shift in the, in the makeup of the team. Um, I know before Giannis signed his deal in Milwaukee, Miami was going to make a run at him. So, um, you know, with Pat Riley there, they're always going to be, plus with the Miami atmosphere, they're always going to be a destination for free agents. Um, I just want to see, I guess, kind of how they mold that team because, you know, Dragic will be gone soon. Iguodala is not going to be around forever, of course. And we'll have to see between Robin, Hero, you know, can they continue to grow their game and become part of the, I guess, next big three down in Miami? We'll have to see. Next team in this, the Knicks, who are the surprise team, kind of a league. Um, clearly, the best move that they made, bringing in Thibodeau, he's really changed the culture there. Um, it's a team of a lot of young pieces. You know, Randall made the all-star team this year, which was good for him. Um, Still, plenty of decisions to make on that team. You know, is Randall a piece going forward for them? Is this kind of like a one-year light bottle type thing? Um, Will R.J. Barrett continue to grow? Oppen, who I talked about for the draft, love that pick for them. You know, see, continue growing. So, like I said, there's pieces there. And if Thibodeau can get this kind of activity and commitment to defense going forward, then New York, talking to you right now, Knicks basketball could be back. I don't know if they'll, with this group, I don't know if it's title worthy, worthy. I don't think so, but at least they can have legitimate playoff games in New York, which they haven't had on a consistent basis since Ewing and Starks and those guys were there. So definitely would be good in that aspect to have New York basketball back. As most NBA fans know, the league does really well. You have the Lakers, Knicks, the Sixers. When those four teams are basically great, the league's in a great position. So there you go. Last team in this group, I got myself to kind of a, uh, I guess, sour note that they're in this group. But the thing is, you know, they have Tatum and Brown, two very young guys, two guys who have shown that they have great skills in this league. Uh, questions are with Kemba Wars, the three. You know, how bad is his knee injury? Can he hold up? Um, I will still say I have no, I had no problem with the move to bring Walker to Boston because after the debacle with Kyrie Irving where he wanted to be a leader and then literally didn't want to be the leader there 
they had one of them, even though you, even though I've seen some Celtics fans that stare about, no, oh, what if we had Kyrie on this team? I'm good with that. He can go to Brooklyn, do whatever. I don't care. It's because in Brooklyn, he's not the man. Durant's better than him, and Harden is clearly the number two there. Kyrie's the number three guy. So, um, yeah. Um, what else those? So, I think with the Celtics, it's they. I do think they need to make a move. You know, there's been some talk with Harrison Barnes is the guy they're looking at. I would not be mad at that. At this point, it's just about supplementing Tatum and Brown with guys who just don't get in the way. I mean, Tatum and Brown are guys who can shoot mid-range. They can get to the hoop. Well, Brown's more of the slasher than Tatum is. So it just has to be room on the court. And Barnes is a guy who can, you know, hang around the perimeter, knock down shots. Uh, If you kick it to him on the wing he has a favorable one-on-one matchup he can make a move to the rim so guys like that are where this need to go um i do think the whole tristan thompson daniel tice robert williams trio at the five position one of us to go and if you're gonna let one go they have to get something back of worthwhile if it were me i would probably say might say Thompson would be the odd out, but I could see Tice is probably the guy most likely moved out of those three. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, so they're a team that needs to make them f- for sure. And they have the TPE that they got from the Hayward thing. And that's another thing. The Celtics fans there quit bringing up Gordon Hayward with this team. It was not going to happen. He had a player option. He opted out. He wanted to move on for a bigger role, and that's what he got in Charlotte. So it's annoying hearing that after every loss, but whatever. So Celtics are still in a good position. They will be a playoff team. It's just to get a championship out of Brown and Tatum, they're going to have to bring in a better third guy. Unless if Kemba gets back to, which I'm sure isn't possible, but, you know, you know Hornets, all-star level, Kemba. I just think the need limits him somewhat. But uh, past couple of games, though, he has shown that he can kind of fit into the number three role a little better and has been hitting that, you know, knocking down three-point shots better and that kind of stuff. So the Brown and will get 25 a night. One of them probably more towards 30 a night. If Kemba can consistently get around 20 a game, and if Williams, I think Robert Williams is going to have to have a bigger role going down the stretch, and Brad Stevens has basically talked about that's kind of where it's heading to. If Robert could be a guy who's like 12 and 10 consistently, Celtics will be fine. So... But for right now, that's where they are. So that's the answer. That's it for that group of teams that are just outside the title picture. So now we're into the group of teams who are basically doing well right now, but it's kind of all moot around. Basically, you got to prove it to me in the playoffs. That's where I'm at with these teams. I got six teams here. First team, Clippers. We all know why. 
Clippers had a great team last year. What happened? They got into the playoffs. Somehow it imploded on itself. And they exited earlier than they were supposed to. So going into this year, yes. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Are you prepared for a more sustainable future? Critical climate challenges require critical thinking. Move from theory to action with a human-led, tech-powered approach that can move the needle on the mercury, but also help you build trust and drive positive change for your business and for our planet. ESG is part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Paul George's look better. Kawhi Leonard's still Kawhi. They dusted off Nicholas Batum after he'd been in exile in Charlotte. He's performing for them. So, um, so yeah, so at this point, I don't care how they finish in the regular season. Doesn't matter to me. Does not change my opinion of them at all. They are going to have to show it in the playoffs. And once again, it's still a group that should be able to contend for a title. So. At this point, the Clippers have to make the Western Conference Finals at least. If they don't do that, then I'm sorry. It's been a complete dud out there. I don't care if they... Well, let me see. Last year, what was it? They struggled in the first round and won. Lost in the second round. Yeah. So, yeah. It's Western Conference Finals or nothing. So, they they will not even reach the radar of my attention until the Western Conference Finals and if they're not there then it's been a waste of time next Utah Jazz I mean Utah's gone through this year basically the best record in the West and I'm not going to say they're the overwhelming title favorite because I need to see I guess, can Donovan Mitchell be efficient enough once the playoffs come to get this team into the Western Conference Finals and possibly the NBA Finals? Because we saw last year in the bubble, in the playoffs, he had some great high-scoring games, but I feel like a lot of those came on a lot of shots. And I think when Utah's at its best, the ball's just flowing, so, you know, Mitchell gets some points. Conley's getting some. Uh, they have the other Bogdanovich, right? So Bogdanovich gets some scoring in there. Ingles as well. And then Gobert is just, I mean, he runs the paint. He's, you know, affecting shots on defense. He's getting offensive rebounds and putbacks on offense. So the pieces are there. 
clearly for them to be a legit contender, but I just need to see it playoff time when sometimes the game slows down a little bit and it's all about execution. Can Utah pull through and make the plays necessary when needed to get it done? Next, I have the Bucks in this group. I've talked about the Bucks the last couple of years as well. Um, I think the fact that Boonholzer and those guys seem like they are inept at making changes in a playoff series when it's not working, that's what's held them back. Uh, last year against Miami, they had some injuries. Yes, I get it. I think the year before was when... I want to say the Sixers knocked them out or something. And it was just a simple thing that they came out game one. It did not work for them. They changed little to nothing in their games in their game plan and just got bounced. So it's pretty much the same group this year. I do like the fact that it's Drew Holiday instead of Eric Bledsoe. I hated Eric Bledsoe on Miami on Milwaukee, sorry. I felt like he was the biggest reason that they were, weren't were able to get over the hump. And I trust Drew Holiday more than Eric Bledsoe, but we'll have to see playoff time if Drew Holiday can continue his level of production. Um, Brooke Lopez, I still feel like he shoots way too many threes for me. And I've said it since he started doing it, that he is going to lose games for Milwaukee when it matters. And he does that because... For every, you know, like four for seven night he may have from three, he'll give you a one for six, one for seven. And you'll be screaming at the TV because you'll know it's a situation where he should be down low, but he's just hanging around the perimeter. Um, Giannis, I got to give it to Giannis. He's continuing to grow his game and work on it. He still isn't there in terms of a perimeter shooter. So maybe once he gets that part locked down, then they will be a legit contender. But we'll have to see how long that takes, though. So I would hate to see them waste like these MVP years of Giannis before they figure that out. Next, I have the Nuggets. Nuggets were in the Western Conference Finals last year. Uh, they started off slow this year. They've started to slowly turn it on. Uh, the past couple of so for me I just I mean they made the West Conference Western Conference Finals last year of course the next step is the finals and they're another team that has the uh, pieces in place to really contend with the Lakers for the Western Conference title this key for them is Michael Porter Jr. having he like 100% focused and engaged game in and game out uh, offense, defense, all that, because he has the tendency to have like these lapses in his play, where you know he's taking bad shots, or he's letting get to the defensively no uh, awareness. So if they can curb that down and get him locked in, I think they'll be golden. Between um, Murray and Jokic. They're fine there. Porter Jr. has to be that number three guy to get them over. So, got the Nuggets there. I have the Sixers in this group because the Sixers all year have looked like the best team in the East. But um, we've kind of seen this story before where they're supposed to be great. 
But then again, the playoffs, usually when they meet up against like the Celtics or something, they end up losing and, and bowing out. Now, the latest injury to Joel Embiid is interesting to see how they are able to deal with that. Um, they said he's going to be out like two to three weeks. Well, let's see how true that is. Um, I mean, as a big man, I feel like there's only so many like injuries you can have to your lower extremities before it really starts to show. Not saying it's going to happen with Embiid, but I want to see if he comes back from this hyperextended knee. Does he sit more on the perimeter now? Because he did get hurt you know, dunking in a game and he came down funny and all that. So does he now in the back of his mind stay more perimeter? Cause if he does, then the Sixers will be, uh, it'll be another disappointment this year with an early playoff exit, to be honest. So I'll have to see with them. I put the Suns in this group. Now the Suns are a team that's clearly on the come up, but We're going to have to see because we have seen this with a Chris Paul team before where they look really good in the regular season, but then they flame out in the playoffs. I mean, look at all those years he was with the Clippers where they had all the talent in the world and never put it together. You know, he has Devin Booker as his uh, main guy in Phoenix and Booker. I mean, if you've seen Booker play, one thing you know is he can put up some points. Um, they have Crowder, guys like that that they brought in. So, um, like, they definitely have changed the culture there. It's now a uh, team that's expected to win on a night-to-night basis, even though even, you know, going up against upper echelon teams in the NBA, they feel like they really have a chance every night, and they do because the talent is there. But I want to see, because all this talk about Chris Paul's greatest you know, floor general in NBA history, but he yet, but yet, he can't get any of these teams into a finals. So, let's see. Uh, so that's the end of that group. Now that leaves basically two teams that I have as your title favorites. I'm sure you probably know who they are. Well, clearly since I went through the rest of the league, you know who they are. But we have the Nets. I mean, the Nets have put together uh, their super team. You know, they have Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant. I mean, what more is there to say? Durant's basically what n- the number two best player in the world. Some people say Harden's a top five guy, and probably say Kyrie's a top ten player in the NBA. So naturally, there should be success there. Now, Durant has been out for a little bit, and Durant's also coming back from the Achilles injury, so we'll have to see how he holds up durability-wise. But when he's on the court, there's no question because uh, Durant's game is based on the fact that he's legit... I don't know, what is he listed at? Whatever Whatever they list him at, he's probably taller than that. Like, Durant looks legit seven feet with crazy long arms and he's a dead eye sharpshooter. So the whole Achilles injury didn't really matter because he's not really predicated on athleticism alone. You know, his his biggest asset is his ability to shoot from every spot on the floor. So 
as long as he doesn't come back and is a little rusty, he'll be fine. I did say when they acquired Harden that they needed to get playmaker Harden and not black hole, um, selfish Harden on offense. So far, he has shown he's willing to be the playmaker out of the three. And they're going to have to keep them at that if they really want any success in the playoffs. Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie's kind of all a mental thing because a lot of times he gets in his own way and will mentally check out. At least that's what I saw those couple of years in with Boston. And even, I guess, at the end with Cleveland where he kind of got sick of LeBron and all that. So it's always been kind of a mental thing with Kyrie. So if they can you know, keep him engaged and he's locked in on the season, he should be fine. Now, Blake Griffin. I mean, Blake Griffin, in terms of where he was with the Clippers to now, the talent erosion with him has been, like, astonishing. He... Has it been like a year, year and a half since he's had a dunk or something? Which is crazy to me. So he's basically become just a jump shooter at this point. He takes he takes quite a bit of threes. He's not that great of a three-point shooter. He shoots from the mid-range a lot. Um, I know Brooklyn said they're going to use him as like a small ball five. I mean, defensively, he's kind of in cement. So let's see how that looks. So I guess that's the biggest question for them is where, how does Blake Griffin fit in with the big three? So that leads us to, I guess, the defending champion Lakers. Now, I mean, Anthony Davis has been out for a while. And I think they said he's still two weeks away, which has led some to believe, as I do, that the injury that he suffered is more serious than they're leading on. And as we saw last year when they won it all, he is the biggest reason that they did win it. I mean, I'm sure some of you LeBron fans are probably going to hate that statement, but come on, you got to be honest with yourself. If Anthony Davis was not there last year, that Lakers team was not going to win it all. If you think they would have, you're lying to yourself. So, it's the same thing this year. If he is not ready to go 100% one playoffs roll around, they have zero shot of making it back to the NBA Finals. Once again, just being honest with you. So, that's their biggest question, and that's kind of the only question they they need to answer. I will say they probably could use a free agent pickup or a minor trade or something like that. Um, I think they could probably use a ball handler. Yeah, another ball handler is probably what they need. So but there you go. I mean, I know that was kind of a long one, but. Yeah, that was a pretty long episode. But, um, I mean, like I said, I told you I was going to put each team in their place in the league, and I did it for you right there. So, you know, you guys let me know what you think about how I have these teams. 
Um, actually, you know what? This uh, tier list that I have, I may try to put it out on Twitter. So if you need a reminder of what I had them as, go over there at Chompin' Podcast. I will put it up there and you guys let me know, you know, how legit is it to you? So yeah, so let me know if any teams I have in the wrong spot, I have some teams too high in the wrong category, or if I have them too low in a certain category, I don't know. Let me know. But, um, quickly looking forward um, gonna do an episode on Dak Prescott and that whole th- situation with his new deal and how Cowboy fans are reacting talk about that talk about Cam Newton coming back to New England that's coming up this week um, and as I said Patriots fan you'll get a, you'll get my look at the move as a Patriots fan And I may not feel the way that you think I would feel about that one. So stay tuned for that one. We also have Bracketology today. The first four is Thursday. And then the, I guess basically the tournament itself gets underway Friday. So I will do an episode on... So I'll do an episode on teams that I've been watching who I think have a shot at cutting down the nets at the end of the NCAA tournament. Some teams think could be on upset alert. Um, talk about that. And then I guess before Friday, because I think brackets have to be in Friday at noon, I will fill out my bracket and let you know how I see it going. So got that coming up. So stay tuned for all of that. Um, you know, wherever you listen to this, as I said, available everywhere right now. Go ahead and hit subscribe. That way, whenever I episodes, you will know right away. Uh, follow the show, Chop It Podcast, on Twitter, like I said before. And what else about us? Do have the YouTube channel. You search my name, Kyle Edwards. My channel comes up. All the episodes are there as well. It is audio form. It's not video yet. Maybe we'll work our way towards that. Coming out in the future, we are on our way to episode number 100. And definitely appreciate all of you guys for tuning in. Uh, Be safe. Uh, God bless. And I'll check you out in the next episode. All right. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Are you prepared for a more sustainable future? Critical climate challenges require critical thinking. Move from theory to action with a human-led, tech-powered approach that can move the needle on the mercury, but also help you build trust and drive positive change for your business and for our planet. ESG is part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.